Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Rabbi Joshua Heller. Today we're looking at Masechet Eruvin 63. The overall topic of these next few dapim is, in theory, whether the presence of a non-Jewish resident makes it impossible to have an Eruv in a particular area. Our primary focus today will be a discussion of the relationships between teacher and student. We'll be picking up a discussion that began on the previous daf. Is it considered disrespectful for a student to express his, or I suppose today her, opinion in the teacher's presence, or even when the teacher is available for consultation? This daf will explicate some famous biblical sources in light of this debate. In most disciplines today, we assume that the student will learn from many teachers, On the high school or the university level, you take a number of classes, each with their own professors who have unique subspecialties and distinctive points of view. In academia, it's really only when you get to the highest gradual level work, where you have a single teacher, like a thesis advisor, whose approach and whose mentorship outshadows all others. And even then, there's the assumption that once you reach a certain level, once you've received your degree and you are in faculty somewhere else, you become a teacher and an authority in your own right. Sometimes in the work world, you'll be more likely to find the apprentice model. And in fact, sometimes in the work world, people talk about following a mentor or a rabbi through the growth phase of one's career. Still, even then, as a society, we generally value a student functioning with a degree of independence from their teacher or mentor. In contrast, in the ancient rabbinic world, the model was extremely hierarchical. As a student, you were apprenticed to a particular sage, or perhaps at most, you sat at the feet of two great sages. And while there was an air of intellectual freedom that encouraged the students to ask piercing theoretical questions, the assumption was that a student would never rule independently of that master teacher. In the master's presence, you might make decisions for yourself, but never for others. So the Talmud's example is expecting a knife used for shkita, ritual slaughter. You could inspect a knife that you would be using yourself to slaughter meat, but not a knife that someone else was going to use, even if they were going to slaughter meat for your consumption. The only exception might be if you are a sufficient distance that the teacher was not considered to be available themselves and you were the best someone was going to be able to get. The Talmud casts several biblical tales in light of this teaching. For example, many readers struggle with the story of Nadav and Avihu found in Leviticus. These sons of Aaron brought strange fire before the Lord, and they were consumed, and they were killed. A quick scan of rabbinic literature reveals dozens of explanations for why they were killed by God. Perhaps they were drunk. Perhaps they were not following God's instructions accurately. Perhaps it's because they were haughty and refused to marry, or because they were over-eager for Moses and Aaron to move out of the way and let them take on the leadership. 
Our text here gives yet another theory. It explains that they were killed not merely because they did what was not commanded. Rather, the problem was that they acted as their own post scheme, that they acted as their own deciders of halachic matters while Moses was still around. They justified their actions with a halachic reading of the text, and in doing so, they were ruling on a legal matter without Moses' permission. Their actions, in other words, remarkably, were not fatal due to some disrespect for God, but rather due to their disregard for the authority of their teacher, Moses. A more challenging example is that of Joshua, son of Nun, who, according to rabbinic interpretation, died childless. Our text explains that this death without children was a punishment for his offering a legal opinion, again, in the presence of Moses, ironically, while attempting to defend Moses' honor. There were two men, Eldad and Medad, who were elders in the assembly, and they were prophesying in the midst of the camp, which would have been perceived, of course, as a challenge to Moses' authority. Joshua responds, seeing this, demanding that they be locked up. Rabbi Levi interprets this text to mean that by taking this initiative before Moses, even though his intent, even though Joshua's intent is to defend Moses, it is a slight and results in Joshua's punishment. In trying to defend Moses' honor, Joshua is diminishing it by telling Moses what to do, and the rabbis put the smack down on him. To this day, there are circles in Jewish life where this teaching is still regarded as important, and where a student would never dream of disagreeing with his teacher or even expressing an opinion during the teacher's lifetime. I struggle with this question in my own rabbinate. While I had many teachers in rabbinical school, there were just a few whom I considered to be my master teachers, my rabs. Even now, as I have experience in the field, and in some cases I might even sit on the same panel or committee with these teachers, I still find it difficult to refer to them on a first-name basis, and it gives me pause to be teaching when I know that they are in the audience or to disagree on a matter of legal interpretation. One of the greatest challenges, I suppose, of the mentor-mentee relationship is allowing the student the freedom to practice and thereby grow. In medicine, an essential part of the learning process is time spent acting as a physician trainee, making literally life and death decisions with some degree of supervision and oversight. Sometimes it's a struggle to find the same thing in rabbinic training. Often in congregational life, a senior rabbi or a mentor might fail to allow associates or younger colleagues to have the freedom to act independently and to learn by doing. Perhaps on the broadest human level, we can also think about this as a challenge for parents. I remember when I was learning to drive, and my father of blessed memory was sitting in the passenger seat and almost put a hole in the floor, pushing the invisible brake while I was driving. We undoubtedly would have had a safer and perhaps less nauseating ride had he driven, but I never would have learned had he not let me take the wheel. And so perhaps as we read this text, we can ask the question whether students have to remain silent and let only the experts rule, or whether in fact there is a value in allowing people to stretch their legs, spread their wings, and teach 
even when the teachers are present. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.